What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast, a weekly video game show where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Buongiorno. Buongiorno to you as well. How are you this fine morning? Doing all right. It is already many degrees outside. Oh, yeah. And it is still Summer morning. is here, the day after the first day of summer, but summer started weeks ago here Yeah, in Austin, it Texas, sure so. did. We're surviving, but staying in this nice, cool AC, so it's wonderful. Maybe all the sweating is actually good for your skin? I mean, it gets the toxins out. Does it, though? That's what they say, and I'm a heavy sweater, so, I mean, technically, I should be be healthy. I'm such a naturally (laughs) toxic person, though. (laughs) The levels just don't never balance out. you've gamed online with me. (laughs) So much heckling. So much heckling. So much heckling. I'm just toxic, okay? (laughs) Did I ever tell you about that sick burn that Bro Mogan did on? on me no i think he was playing dead cells and he sent me a snap and his character had apparently gotten to a section of the map that was called the toxic sewers and on the screen up at the top it said toxic sewers because i guess he had just gotten to the area yeah so he snapped it circled toxic sewers and he goes hey look it's you and i was like wow <laughs> thanks that was a solid, <laughs> that was a solid, solid burn, burn. <laughs> <laughs> i was like ouch oh man that one hurt bro well, before we get too far into this too just a, a a little heads up. I'm recovering from like a head cold, so I'm going to try to keep s- sniffles or sneeze attacks to a minimum, but you know, just just a little heads up there. But hey, you're here, and you're here to listen to us talk about some great gaming content, which we do here on Team Chat Podcast every single week. New episodes come out Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Central Time, and you can listen to those on podcast services around the World Wide Web, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others. You can also watch a video version of each episode on YouTube. So check out the links for all that in the description below. You can head over to teamchatpodcast.com slash where to listen for a complete list of all the places the show is available. You can also find us on social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have a Discord server that you can join. And also... We are a completely listener-supported show, so if you are really enjoying and digging what we're creating each and every week, head over to patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show, and in return, we'll give you cool perks like getting the episodes early before their general Tuesday release, and access to a private channel on our Discord server, The Rogues Gallery, where we have a lot of extra behind-the-scenes bits, early access to not only the episodes, but some other fun things that we put out, so all that fun goodness can be found there in that channel, and that you get on either tier if you're a patron subscriber. So check that out again once more, patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast. And a big thank you to all of our current patrons who help make each and every episode possible. But before we get into the main topic of the day, let's have a quick moment with Mogan because we got a big topic and that we're very excited to talk about. Yes, very big topic, not a lot of time. So out now, uh, as of this episode's air date, actually a little bit before that, just in case you missed it because I'm really excited about it, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled did come out last weekend. It's for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the Switch. I bought it on PlayStation 4, so any listeners or patrons, uh, if you want to buy it and play with us, that'd be awesome. I suck, Uh, (laughs) but that's neither here nor there. Harry Potter Wizards Unite, the Pokemon Go of Harry Potter for mobile, came out for iOS and Android on June 21st as well. Also on June for 20, uh, June 21, Judgment came out for the PlayStation 4. Uh, Samurai Showdown is coming very soon on June 27th for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, Stadia, and PC. 
Uh, and then coming soon as well, The Sinking City. This one I am actually mm, excited yep, yep, about. Yep. That uh, Cthulhu-themed game. Lovecraftian. Lovecraftian, whatever. Stumbled over my words. <laughs> uh, the Sinking City comes out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Again, that's June 27th. On June 28th, we have F1 2019 for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. And then at the end of the month, Super Mario Maker 2 comes to the Switch on June 28th. Excited about that as well. Cool, cool, cool. Did you play the first one ever? That's just something I'm not into because I'm it's terrible my, at, at level I design like that. I love to watch Let's Plays of it. Like, I love watching right. people it's play. It's insane. Other, it's amazing what people, what people can there. come up with. But I am also, I don't have the creative capacity to make a level that would make anybody happy or miserable because I think that's the goal. That's you why either I've make never people even, happy or totally miserable. Yeah, that's why I've never even stepped foot in no. Minecraft because no. I, I would just be like, here is my simple hut. Yeah, I Here not, is my field. <laughs> I, I'm not going to go make King's Landing in, in, in from Game of Thrones we, like somebody else has done. You and I really benefit from the structure of Stardew Valley. Yes. <laughs> we don't benefit from the non-structure of the Minecrafts of the I world. Just, I just, I, I would start at Minecraft, see this huge empty plane and be like, well, <laughs> no thanks. This is too much. <laughs> this is too much pressure. I'm out. <laughs> so. That's true. All right. Well, for our main topic, we actually reached out on this one on social media because we wanted to enter, to get our community's involvement with this one as well. But what we wanted to talk about, since it is Pride Month, we wanted to f- highlight games and characters in general that were part of the LGBTQIA plus community. So that's a mouthful for anybody to say. So we are just going to sort of shorten that to queer communities, which I think is a fairly acceptable term. Uh, Jared and I are not experts on sexualities of any persons other than ourselves. Right. We are only our own experts and perhaps Fender's expert because he cannot <laughs> speak for himself. But he's napping right now, so he don't expect <laughs> but too much he, involvement he's from just him. taking a nap. Uh, so if we say anything that you're like, wow, that's just so blatantly wrong, or even that you're just like, hey, that's actually right. Nobody ever gets that right, or anything in between, feel free to correct us. We are open to constructive criticism. <laughs> but if you critique us too hard, we will cry. <laughs> just want you to know that. Maybe that's what people want. Yeah, so. that probably is what they want. But I cry all the time <laughs> about other things. Anyway, so today we are going to be highlighting uh, games, characters, game creation uh, that does have involvement with queer communities, and sort of what that means in a broader context and on a more personal level as well. Right. So, you know, interacting. And we also, like you might have seen on our social media, we reached out to our community because we wanted to not only have our impressions on this topic, but we also wanted to get from the community at large. And so we'll be sharing some of those later on in the episode. But to really get us kicked off first, we wanted to talk about, to start off, you know, what we believe are positive representations and some of the characters that we've interacted with in our gameplay that were like, yes, we're like really strong characters we really love and characters that we've just fallen in love with, really. And so the first game that obviously Jared and I are going to talk about is one that we share in common, like our deep burning love for this game. Yes. We got to talk about Life is Strange. Got to talk about Life is we Strange. Can't, we couldn't not. We, we thought about maybe not mentioning Life is Strange just because we've done so much about it in the past, but yeah. we were like, no. We're going to do it. We have to. We probably it's picked Pride up a few, a few new listeners by now. We probably know? have. And there's a whole other Life is Strange game out there now. That's true. Yeah. So it's well, there's no time like the present, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So 
Obviously, then, we're talking about Chloe and Max. And even Chloe in the other games, although I haven't finished Before the Storm, but we're specifically talking about Chloe and Max from Life is Strange Season 1. When we're talking about Life is Strange, then, uh, you know, a lot of people might kind of argue in both directions that Life is Strange is or is not uh, very direct in how it presents the sexuality of its two main characters, Max and Chloe. But for me, when I played through it, there was never any question. I was like, those two teenage girls are so... So gay for each other. There's no in between. And that I was- kind of had inklings of it at the beginning, but I wasn't totally sure if that's where it was going to go. Especially because you did have the boy Warren, that oh, was your friend from the school. Name. So, your derpy boy you know, guy. But then it very became very. It became obvious very quickly that that Max did not have feelings for no. Warren near as much as she did for Chloe. It was pretty clear that Warren had feelings for Max, and there yeah. are certain paths. You know, Life is Strange. For those of you that don't know, is a game all about choice. Mm-hmm. So there's tons of dialogue. There's a lot of interaction that you can have with all of the characters in the game, and Warren is definitely presented as, I guess, one of the options for who Max can sort of romantically pursue. Mm-hmm. But from my perspective, like your emotional involvement with Warren is so non-existent. Yeah. It's and like, honestly, why would I care about this guy just because we both like monster movies? He's so lame. And, and too, like, I feel like it, once you got to the scene, especially where they sneak into the pool, uh, to the school's pool area and yes. everything, and, the, and they do share their first kiss with each other, Max and Chloe, that is, you know, you, oh, no, 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 that's in the, that's in the, uh, their bedroom. I'm wrong. You're right. Where like Chloe dares Max to like, do it. Two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Chloe dares Max to do it, and Max does it, and, and it was very. And you can choose to either kiss her or not. But again, at that point in the story, I was like, "This is where the story is going," and I feel like these two like yeah. deserve you know to be together and everything in this relationship. And so obviously pursued that option in the story. And, but I just I think why it really rings true is just because it is. I don't know. It just, just how. So, not innocent their relationship is, but just how they they just naturally come together and bond, and it just becomes a a further strengthening of this previous relationship they already had. Absolutely. And it doesn't doesn't feel forced. No, exactly. And I think that's why it really clicked and really is a resonating relationship for both of us that we enjoyed playing through and seeing that story done. But so what would be some other ones? Like I know one of the big franchises that we've talked about that actually have several and that we feel have done a lot of good in terms of representation is the Bioware, and especially the Mass Effect and Dragon Age series. So uh, to do a bit of research before we actually started this episode, Jared and I are going to be referencing to a certain extent an article that was written by Sam Greer Mm -hmm. in Games Radar. Uh, And the article is Queer Represent... Queer representation in games isn't good enough, but it is getting better. By now, it is actually more than a year old, this article right. is. It came out back in May of 2018, but it's still a really good article. Really and I article. feel like it has a lot of information in it that is applicable for now, as well as games that have come out in the past. The article does talk a lot about Life is Strange Before the Storm, mm-hmm. and Life is Strange to a certain extent as well, along with many others. Right. And one of the things that they mentioned is that, or one of the things that Sam mentions in the article is that Bioware kind of was one of the first studios to very obviously make a big push to include uh, queer representation in their games as early as the early 2000s. Like, we're talking 2005 era. Well, Knights of the Old Republic, it says in this article... Introduced the character of Juhani, who is the first openly gay character in the st- to be as part of Star Wars canon, which is incredible that that was introduced in the games and not in the movies or the books or something. Yeah, like that. take that. I know that's awesome, George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> but so, but we've spent both like I played through Dragon Age one and two. We've played through Inquisition. 
both of us have played through Inquisition a few hours in, but not completed it. But still, what it's I remember in a, that one... It's such a hard game. <laughs> it is. There's and so and much going long, on there's in a there. Lot, and they're a long game. But still, again, what I love is that it doesn't... It, about these games is that the story doesn't push you in a certain direction. It really... Because they are RPGs and do allow, allow for a lot of choice, you know, you have the ability to pursue any relationships you want. Specifically more for me, the the I really... For me, I experienced this mechanic a lot more in Dragon Age 2, where I was able to, or I played through, and I, I romanced two characters in that in my playthrough, Isabella the Pirate and then Anders the Mage. And You showed me Anders, and I think my reaction was, you wanted this guy over Isabella? Because <laughs> he's such a... Anders is a cool dude. He's like know? a four. <laughs> he's trying to do all this for the for the for the people in the lower uh, communities of this of Dragon Age in the uh, Kirkwall, the city of Kirkwall, and he's like trying to really be a man of the people and help these people out. But he's also being hunted because he's a mage. On a scale and so, of one to ten, Isabella I is an eighty three. Hunter's just like a two. No, it's just I, like you're crazy. <laughs> I really enjoyed. Dragon Age Two and the what I did with and my relationship with Anders because it it was something for me that also that I that it just felt a natural progression in the story and and how I wanted to play the game. Sometimes it just feels right. Bro. It does feel right, and I went with my heart, and my heart led me to Anders. It's <laughs> a scrubby, weird little ma- night mage. He's a mage. <laughs> yeah, he's I a don't mage. know what he is. But he's awesome. He's I didn't cool. romance that guy. <laughs> I also didn't play Dragon Age Two, so I had to move in with me. And my, he moved in with me with my house. You know, we, we <laughs> were chummy. It was a lot of fun. It was we a lot of fun. Chummy, but you know, <laughs> honestly, there also these these mechanics of being able to have these same sex relationships and pursue same sex relationships in Bioware games are. It's in the Dragon Age series. It's also in the in the Bioware and Mass Effect in series. the Bioware. In the Bioware. I mean, a lot of people would argue that it is in the Bioware. Yeah. Like it feels like such a staple now because uh, it's just been something that they have never strayed from since they started doing it. Mass mm. Effects one, two, three, Andromeda. Yeah, Andromeda one, two, does. three, and jo- Andromeda, and all of the Dragon Ages. That's a lot of games that all heavily featured the option. Maybe not pre-written characters per se that were this character is definitely gay or lesbian, but they have at least always featured the option of having gay relationships, or excuse me, queer relationships. Mm-hmm. Later on, at least in Inquisition, we did talk about this as well. So one of the things when you're talking about representation is that um, it, it's always good to be aware that. Giving someone the option to pursue any type of queer relationship is not quite the same in terms of representation Mm -hmm. as including characters that are written as whole, complete characters and their sexual identity or uh, sexual orientation is part of that. Meaning that a character is written as a gay man, he is a gay man, there's no other option, and other things like that. Which Dragon Age... And and that's exactly where I'm going with this. So uh, at least some of the Dragon Age games did eventually start featuring this. So two of the characters in particular that I can think of off the top of my head are, I think he's from Inquisition and or 2? Is he from 2? I thought for sure we said Which Inquisition. One? Dorian. Oh, Dorian's just from Inquisition. Oh, okay, gotcha. So at least from uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, Dorian, the man with the finest mustache in all the mustache. land. It's beautiful. Uh, he is a type of character that you can only romance if you, as the player character, as the player character, are male because he is exclusively gay. He's like, no, your sexual, your personage does not affect my sexual orientation. You got to be a man right. to get all of this. So you know, 
to be clear on this, if you're playing Dragon Age Inquisition as a female character, Dorian is off the table as a romance. He wants option. none of what you are offering. And the same goes for the other character of I say Sarah. How do other people say I think it? Sarah. Sarah. S E R A. S E R A. Uh, she is an example of a lesbian character, and there are no other options. You are either female and you can get with her, or you are not, and you definitely can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think that that's uh, the type of representation that at least I would like to see a lot more of. Yeah. Because I feel like it gives you more of an incentive to like go into the game and be like, man, well, I'm on this character creation screen. I know that there are probably going to be some characters out there that I can't romance if I'm male and or female. What am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, especially if it's a game that you haven't played before and you're like, what if I get to the very end and the best, most interesting, hottest character is not the right gender for me? And I just wasted 80 hours. <laughs> and I just wasted my 80 hours of gameplay and I have to start all over. I like for that to be the kind of thing that you would need to factor in in advance to be like, man, what kind of experience am I hoping to have here? Uh, so, and it also does lead to the more intentional art of character building because mm. when you're clearly making characters like Dorian, who his whole backstory is that his family, I think, tried to like ch- they tried to gay conversion therapy him, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they th- were and gonna, that's like, why he's on his own. That's why he's on his own. They were going to try to blood arts, blood, ma- blood, blood magic. magic. Is what they call yes, it they were going to try to yeah. use blood magic on him to make him straight. And I was like, no, Dorian, you're perfect the way you are. Exactly. So he had he ran away. He had to leave his family behind. And I think that that gives him a really unique character arc that none of the other characters really have. And this more intentional character building and background and story building, when you add in characters that are expressly gay or lesbian or transgender or anything else on the spectrum of not straight, that just opens up more doors for additional storytelling. Mm-hmm. So from my perspective, that's never not going to be a good thing. Well, and more storytelling that as of up until this point has not had a lot of representation and and stuff in games. Like in this article from Sam Greer, she says that in her research for this for her article, she could only find 179 games at the release of this article, which is again over in a year 2018. ago. But only 179 games that featured queer characters. And that Honestly, astounded me. I mean, you know, when you think about the hundreds of thousands of games that are out there right now, that is pretty astonishing. And then later in the article, she goes on to mention that of those 179, only 83 had queer characters who were actually playable. And then only eight featured a main character who was pre-written as queer as opposed to being queer as an option, which is exactly kind of what we were just talking about in terms of Dragon Age, is that it's wonderful to have the option. And by by now, I'm at the point as a gamer where I'm like, I expect the option. Yeah. I expect to be able to romance whoever I want, whenever I want. Unless, of course, there's a character that is pre-written as, you know, exclusively gay or perhaps uh, uh, lesbian and you just can't. Mm-hmm. But it's to the point where I'm like, you know, because it's so prevalent, at least in Bioware games, I'm expecting that. However, by the same token, it is a little bit more, it just it's just more intentional to build characters, especially main characters where you are the player character who has a sexuality that falls outside of heteronormativity right again so one of the uh games that we heard from our community actually ali collins friend of the show who's on way back when way uh, back when we talked about life is strange no we uh, talk, oh my god women in gaming women in gaming you're right i was and about so that, to say that's when I, just, came on. I just feel like i've talked about life is strange with her. we have talked i mean we probably <laughs> have we? at some point i don't Maybe know we that did. might have been pre 
pre-our experience with it, but I don't remember. But anyway, Allie wrote in. She yeah. was one who uh, responded to our request for you know community feedback, and she said The Last of Us, which obviously like huge fan of the game myself. And that one, too, also was, I think, somewhat in similar vein to Life is Strange, where you do have the main, char- the main character of Ellie. And, you know, in the DLC for Last of Us Left Behind, she does fall in love with her friend Riley. Uh, and so they have a sweet relationship and everything, which ultimately, sadly, ends in tragedy because the world of The Last of Us is a terrible place with a you know, massive plague that is destroying civilization as we know it. But still, you know, having Ellie's experiences and learning about that, about Ellie's past in that way was really great, uh, great introduction to those two characters. Not only, though, Last of Us also features Bill, who's a side character, who's this gruff, like, loner kind of guy who, in interacting with his storyline through the game, you realize that he also is a gay man. And just to have that representation, I felt, was really great because, again, it wasn't a overt, especially with, with Bill. And so I just think that's great with The Last of Us, especially in that instance, because it's a game where you wouldn't necessarily expect that kind of representation. And so I feel it was a great move on Naughty Dog's part to include that. And now, obviously, moving into The Last of Us Part Two, where Ellie is going to be the main character, and you've already seen in trailers that she has a relationship now with a woman named Dinah, or Dina. And, uh, and Bad name for starters. <laughs> hate it. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there in terms of their relationship. <laughs> but it's still great to see that they, they're making the sequel. They didn't make Joel the main character of the sequel again. Instead, you're going to be playing through this whole game as Ellie. And it is worth mentioning that, uh, you know, maybe they did it kind of for like the kudos points, but maybe not. In the trailer that they played at E3, basically... Uh, an, it may have been one of the trailers that came out afterwards, uh, hyping The Last of Us 2. There's a very, ob- like, there's no missing it. Like, Ellie has a very intense kiss scene mm-hmm. with her uh, lesbian love interest. It was interest. during the E3. It was during the E3. 2018. 2018 Expo. Yeah. Uh, and that was really, uh, not shocking to see, but, like, surprising. Shocking's mm-hmm. the wrong word. It was very surprising to see that kind of content at E3 because you're like, wow, we're finally at the point where it's not just kind of sidelined DLC very, information. Very overt. It's right up in front and center. And I feel like it was a really smart move on their part to not try to retcon Ellie into being straight. Yeah. Like, oh, she grew up and grew out of it. And right. it's like, oh, God, that would have been the worst move of all time. So I am really glad to see that they are clearly developing her character along the foundations that were set in the DLC, even if it wasn't necessarily in the main game of The Last of Us, the first game. But what I was uh, I thought of what I was trying to go, tie back into with, with comparing them to Life is Strange is that I like that it was a representation of showing a, a, a lesbian relationship in a younger characters and not yeah. just in adults. Yeah. You know? And I felt that was a, a, a really great uh, extra bit of, of representation as well it's just who they are and that actually is like that brings up a really good point from another game that i briefly want to highlight that i talked about fairly recently gone home Mm, so you'll remember i played gone home i think last october Mm -hmm. it was basically meant to be my halloween episode and they sure did they they tricked me they were like here's this giant haunted house that you're going to be exploring turns out there were no ghosts there were no zombies it was just me as basically voiceless personality-less older sister character going through my now empty home and finding clues that just... Very Edith Finch-esque. Very Edith Finch-esque. This was basically the precursor to the Edith Edith Finches of the world. Just going through this house and learning the story of your younger sister, Sam, and her coming of age as a lesbian. And one of the key uh, conversations that I think might sound really familiar to anybody that kind of came of age and came into their own sexuality in the 90s, the early 2000s, and even now to a certain extent is that 
a lot of the times when people come out to their parents, uh, you get a range of reactions. Many of them are not as dramatic as you would think. You know, it's not always that your parents explode at you. They don't always disown you. They don't kick you out. Mm -hmm. They don't openly hate you. Something that I think a lot of people are very familiar with uh, that is still a reality, though, is that your parents are like, you'll grow out of it. This is just a phase. And they really sideline uh, your experiences and say, this is temporary. This isn't who you are. This is not your identity. You'll grow out of it. And that sort of condescending, patronizing approach to how people react to their children's sexuality is very common. Mm -hmm. And I liked that Gone Home built that in. And again, this is an an excellent example of a story where there were no other options. You were playing Gone Home to exclusively play the story of Sam to learn about your younger sister's coming of age and her relationship with her girlfriend Lonnie and that was the whole point and at the end of the game you basically find out that Lonnie and Sam ran away together and I'm like good for them this is the kind of quality content I'm looking for and I feel like indie games in particular do a really good job especially nowadays like especially in the more recent years indie games have done an amazing job of stepping up to the plate and including really interesting and compelling stories featuring queer characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So we wanted to move in on then. So we've talked about some more positive representation in games that we've seen. We wanted to, though, we, we felt like we couldn't touch on this topic without talking about some where this where representation has not come cr- across very well. Yeah. You could even say it really fails. I mean, unfortunately, we can't, as much as we would like to, we can't choose to live in like magical optimism world where everything is always getting better all the time. It, it is making progress, but there are still... Uh, a lot of issues, especially in the video game community at large, you know, with online gaming, super toxic cultures, things like that, uh, that are still very much an issue. And when you look back on past games and even some more current games, we, we, there's really just a wealth of failed representation that we need to talk about. One of the examples that we came across in our, in our research on this, and, and actually Mogan brought it up before we saw it in this article is the characters of poison and Roxy from final fight. And what makes their, inclusion in these games are very very bad a very bad not that they're in the game so final fight is like an old 2d uh fighter for starters like that's the genre it's a fighting game right but from the time when it was made they wanted to include these characters but they felt capcom the developer felt like it wouldn't be a wise move for them to just say here's a woman and you get to beat her up so they made her a transgender which is the and worst. And that somehow justifies it. I mean, Which like, is terrible. Th- th- basically, exactly. I mean, the situation is that they wanted to basically make uh, more female characters in their game, but they were like, oh, but you can't beat up a girl. Well, how are we going to do that then? Oh, you can beat up this woman. Ha ha. Because it's really a man. I right. mean, it was both. It's gross on every level. Yeah. I mean, that kind, it, it normalizes, it encourages violence against trans individuals. Uh, and it really just made these characters into intentional jokes Mm -hmm. and that's the kind of representation that is actually fairly common i haven't played uh any of the grand theft auto series but i know that they are rampant with homophobia and uh kind of gay panic type characters and it's really gross uh in in every sense of the word yeah yeah i would agree and so but some other another one that you brought up that you wanted to talk about as well that you feel like a more recent game that you felt like didn't have the best examples was from breath of the wild actually so unfortunately nintendo uh they're not the best at yeah really they're pretty bad um at including uh queer representation in their games they are making 
efforts, but it's kind of like, you're not really there yet. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see that you're kind of trying, but uh, the 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 results are questionable. We'll put it that way. So two of the characters that I wanted to talk about are Bolson. Uh, he's the first one. So when you get to Hateno Village pretty early on in the game, you uh, you as Link come across this abandoned home, and you can actually buy the abandoned house and fix it up. And in the process of buying this house and fixing it up, you need a construction company to help you fix it up. And that's where you encounter Bolson and his various sons. Uh, they're not actually his sons, just all of their names end in S-O-N, and that's like a requirement for joining his construction company. <laughs> uh, so Bolson is the head of this construction company, but he is very much kind of an overdone uh, caricature of a gay man. So in the game, you know, uh, characters in, well, actually, that's not true. In Breath of the Wild, characters do actually talk, but only in cutscenes. Right. So in the actual game, Bolson's never in a cutscene, so he doesn't really have a speech like we would know it, but he still has a voice, and he makes sounds that you can interpret as language. And you can tell right off the bat that his voice is very intentionally made to be effeminate. He has what appears to be pretty obvious eye makeup. He wears like a very kind of sassily styled pink wrapped head scarf and his outfit is what for breath of the wild standards could be considered flamboyant so i love bolson i'll just say right off i think he's a fantastic i love that he's like the head of his ridiculous construction company where like he's imposing all all must be named son i think that that's really funny but you could argue that his characterization is so on the nose that it borders into being uh you know kind of offensive on a certain level and i know that i'm not the only one that kind of had that kind of whiplash experience a lot of other people did too of like they tried but it's not it's not the best and then later on in the game we do get what i would consider to be i also found this scene not to be the best uh some people found it much worse um you know, eventually you get to Gerudo Town, which is out in the desert. So the Gerudo are a race of almost exclusive women, uh, and they have at their village, Gerudo Town Village, I forget what it's called, uh, there's no men allowed. Mm-hmm. So it is a female-only village, and if you want to get in, you got to be female. So Link, he's a scrawny little Helian man. He's like, how am I going to get in there? And at the gates of Gerudo Village, you can encounter this merchant, and this merchant is also trying to get in, but he's like, man, they won't let me in. I've heard, though, that there's this guy who keeps getting into the town and i don't know how he's doing it so basically the quest is you have to go find this man who's magically managing to get into gerudo village and you do eventually find that person so this is actually coming from an article from paste magazine uh which is all about how breath of the wild um failed the queer community and most of its representation so the author writes the first warning sign uh was this merchant at the outset of gerudo town and the scene eventually gets to uh you find a gerudo woman perched on the roof of a nearby hotel who speaks with an exaggerated husky tone. Uh, Link confirms the character's name Vilia, by the way. Link confirms Vilia's identity by closely scrutinizing her body and is then prompted to either exclaim through like your text options, uh, she's a man, or compliment her beauty. Mm. Uh, the latter, saying that you compliment her beauty, convinces Vilia to sell you a convincing Gerudo female outfit before the wind hits her veil, revealing her beard to a shocked Link. So the entire scene was really played for laughs. Yeah, that's a little in poor taste. It's, not, it's in poor taste. I mean, and that's kind of the least you can say of it is that it's in poor taste. Because what I was really hoping for, and I think what uh, they could have done it well. They could have had Link come across this character of Vilia and just be like, hey, how are you getting into Gerudo Town? And Vilia's like, well, obviously, I am a woman. 
also here are your woman clothes. Let us all go into Gerudo Town. Right. It could have not been played for laughs. It could have just been this presentation of a character that is clearly transgender and it wasn't instead it was played for comedic effect and it, it just yeah, the, the whole she's thing the, she's a man yeah response the is not whole like shock great. of like oh the beard gasp it was it didn't have to be done that way yeah. and that's the thing is that when you find these kinds of scenes and you're like oh you could someone had to make this whole scene they had to storyboard it they had to animate it at any point you could have been like you know this might be really offensive to trans persons. Mm -hmm. What if we slightly changed it to not be super offensive? They could have, they should have, but they didn't. And that's a really recent game and it's in a big, major AAA title. And it just goes to show that for all the progress we are making sort of more on the margins, mainstream progress is much harder to find. Right. And so jumping, speaking of mainstream progress and the progress we are making, Grant, we've already talked about some positive examples, but there were a few more that have been even a little bit more recent than, you know, Life is Strange, the Bioware games and, uh, and The Last of Us. That Whereas, kind of fall into, like, no man's land. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're just out, they're just out there, and these characters are spe- specifically, and what we really liked about these characters were that they might not be... They're games that... Okay, the games we're talking about are Overwatch and Apex Legends. So I was putting too much mystery behind it. That's okay. But the... But really, why we liked the characters that they've included in... Uh, the queer characters that are in these games are because even though... Overwatch and Apex Legends, they're multiplayer-only games. They don't have... first-person shooters. first-person shooters. And outside of the gameplay, there's not story like inside the games themselves. There is lore outside of it. And that's why we feel like the characters featured in there, like in Overwatch, Tracer, uh, and uh, Soldier 76, so far in the Overwatch world universe... You know, they you found out about their sexuality through side pieces associated with the game, such as Tracer was revealed in a comic that she was buying a Christmas present for her partner. Emily. Emily, thank you. I could not remember her name. And then Soldier 76, he was revealed also in the comics to have been in a relationship with a man. What was his name? Jack. I wanted to say Jack, but that's you Soldier know, 76's oh, name. Oh, yeah, shit, you're right. I was going to say Jack, too. <laughs> I God, remember, I can't remember still, his name either because I didn't read the comics. Right, it was my bad. Yeah, <laughs> neither did I. I just read the news stories and all that thing when they came out. But the but why I I and then in Apex Legends specifically, we have Gibraltar who is a gay man, and then you have Bloodhound who is non-binary, and so I feel like these are some really great examples because they could have not made those bits in the lore to fully flesh out these characters at all, and no one would have noticed. But they still ma- took the effort to write these ex- these expansive storylines and histories for all these characters and chose to make Tracer, Soldier 76, Gibraltar, and Bloodhound have these respective identities. And I mean, some people would argue that why are their stories being sidelined? But I, when Jared and I both talked about it, we kind of came to the consensus of it is really hard to add a lot of in-depth characterization in this particular genre of gaming, these right. high-paced first-person action shooters, often team-based. So the characters themselves in-game, they only really get story and personality through pretty brief interactions, uh, sometimes with like the events, like the uh, 
what was it called? Like the, the uprising, uprising like event. Uh, you get a little bit more of the backstory here and there, but not much. Uh, really, most of what you get in terms of personality and characterization comes from voice lines exchanged between whoever, who, whatever characters happen to be in the spawn room at the time. Right. Because there's like the 30 seconds before you spawn that if you're Tracer and somebody else is like Lucio, they'll have a little exchange. But those little exchanges are super brief. And the alternative is that like, how would you work well, their the work the question of their sexuality into the game? And I was thinking, I mean, what are you going to do that isn't so on the nose that it borders into being offensive? Right. And we're and so again though, but also say that these games had come out mid nineties or early two thousands. I don't. I think you would have just received the game. You would have just got Overwatch, yeah. and there would not have been this expansive <laughs> lore built anything. out behind it. Yeah, there would have been no world to even go with that. So the fact that uh, that kind of the extensions of all of these media of Apex and Overwatch, the fact that their extended library of lore and media is is including these kinds of stories uh, and is making a very intentional effort. Like Tracer does actually have a spray of her girlfriend Emily in Overwatch. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of the closest you're going to be able to get before Tracer's just in spawn room like, I'm gay! (laughs) And that would be like really out there and like that doesn't i who are you shouting that to tracer that yeah it, it just the question is how do you work that kind of personality into a game that has so little room for it already right. for anybody and i think both of those games are doing it very well yeah and i'm excited to see especially as new heroes are added to both overwatch and apex you know what other i didn't what other that backstories they choose to explore yeah so, but we did also have, like we said at the beginning of this episode, we had a lot of people uh, reach out in response and, and tell us some of their favorite characters. And one, though, one very common thread in almost every single response that we haven't talked about yet is The Sims. Yeah, everybody is talking about The Sims. Which, as one who has not played The Sims, I was very impressed. So do you actually want to reference the article about how The Sims got queer representation in The Sims 1? Because it's amazing. So So, so in the article from Games Radar by Sam McGreer that we've been referencing, uh, she writes... Quote, but then things began to change. This is actually just in the article after talking about like Poison and Roxy. So, yeah. <laughs> but then things began to change. EA and Maxis's The Sims was an absolute phenomenon that even those who didn't game regularly or at all found, oh, didn't game regularly or at all found themselves playing, which makes it pretty cool that the deb- debut game shipped with same-sex relationships. In truth, it's an inclusion that only came due to an oversight. Queer relationships had been removed from the game, but were re-added when programmer Patrick J. Barrett the third, the third was <laughs> accidentally given an old design document and simply re-implemented them. And Good then for you, Patrick! Bless you, Patrick. <laughs> You're a hero! <laughs> to their credit, the developer and publisher did embrace it after this, to the point where ex- Expansion Hot Date was marketed on the basis of its potential queer relationships with an advert where two men hook up at the club. So. so I mean, and uh, Fuchsia goes on. One of our one of the people that responded to our call for your own experiences, Fuchsia wrote in with first game to pop into my head, The Sims. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've constantly improved on diversity up to a free update that came out yesterday. So this uh, the day that she's referencing would have been June eighteenth, twenty nineteen. That has a ton of pride items, flags, and other household objects, as well as clothing. And when you make a sim, you don't select their gender, but rather select specific traits. For example, you can have 
have a masculine frame or a feminine frame. You can be able to get pregnant. Uh, you can stand up when peeing. And by default, all sims start out as bi and then develop preferences based on how you play. And I knew that The Sims was one of the more inclusive examples. I had no idea that all of this new, I didn't either. This new stuff for like, I haven't played The Sims since The Sims 1, to be honest. So I'm really delighted to see The Sims has maintained and doubled down on their trend of inclusivity. I think that's amazing. And again, that it's great that it allows through gameplay the player to create their own, you know, their own relationships and their own sexuality and how they want their character to be. And I think that's a great, that's a great step. Uh, Glenda Jordan, another friend of the show and had her on during our, when we talked about Breath of the Wild, oh actually, my God, you're right. <laughs> uh, she also brought up the Sims. She says props to the Sims, the original game, you could have a gay couples. Then they could, they could have easily made the game where you couldn't do that. And it was significant for them to have that option in the early 2000s. You could even adopt a baby, by the way, which me and my friend did by accident. That's right. You were telling me yep. about that. So what was that story? Me and my friend, Jesse Janae, I would go over to her house after school. This had to be in like third or fourth grade. I would go over to, over to her house after school and we would play one of two games. Unreal Tournament 2, which was arguably our favorite. It was her older brother's game and we weren't supposed to play it, but we totally did. And The Sims, uh, because I don't think I owned The Sims or had a computer that could even run The Sims. And we both had characters and they lived in a house together and they were both female. And one day they adopted a baby and we were like, oh my God, like this kid just appeared in like a cradle and we were like, whoa. Are we lesbians? We're parents. <laughs> we're parents. We're too young for this. <laughs> and, you know, we were like 10 to 12. I don't even really think that we grasped the, the, grasped the situation. We were like, huh, well, how about them apples? <laughs> Looking back on but it I now, mean, I'm like, that's kind of revolutionary. It is, and it's that also... That by accident, we made our characters lesbians, and they adopted a baby together, and it's like amazing. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Glenda, also the other one that she wanted that she she also brought up Overwatch Tracer, and then she also said that hasn't played it yet, but my partner plays AC Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and you can have gay relationships in it at certain quest points. Which Assassin's Creed is one of the uh, games that our uh, community member Joey pointed out. He says surprisingly, a lot of the Assassin's Creed games have same sex couples, and he goes on to say there are other games like Life is Strange, The Last of Us, Grand Theft Auto. Sadly, not many kids games show this side of the world, uh, or hang on i lost my visual place show this side of the world or love except for stuff like the legend of Korra, which is still more of a mature show which mm -hmm. i agree true we also had another uh, person write in on twitter and they uh, sushi tanuki they said might i suggest wander song the main character is non-binary and there are same-sex couples in the game i'm non-binary and i felt an incredible connection to the bard the game inspired me to be more open and confident in who i am that's awesome that's and i've awesome. never heard of wander song so I, I will check that out i'm wondering if it's an indie game Probably. Probably. I believe. Hurrah I believe. for indies. Well, well you see, like. <laughs> and this is what I really like, you know, how the game inspired me to be more open and confident. Like, that was one of the things, like, that's the great power of this. It is. I absolutely of, agree. Of, of having the representation in games. So, you know, whenever we're talking about why include these kind of characters and stories in games, it's because those people are really out there. Mm -hmm. Nor people, normal people in everyday life well, fall into categories that do not fit the straight heterosexual air quote norm right and the fact that they have been blatantly either made the butt of jokes or just completely excluded from video gaming and many other forms of media up until more recent decades uh, is really a shame and it's wonderful to see that there is more of it now because it is resonating with anybody that plays these games that feels like oh, finally mm -hmm. this pertains to me in a way that other games have really never done well and i mean and partially that's why i enjoyed my playthrough of dragon age 2 so much like it was so fun it was for me very fun to be able to explore 
the relationship with Anders and to be able to have that in the game and then to me also to, to kind of feel like it and be like this is so like I fell into this so naturally and that's yeah. why I just really really enjoyed playing through that and having that experience in the game and some of the other uh, responses that we got from the community are Riven writes in you can't forget about Borderlands 2 so I don't think Border- I actually did not know this about the Borderlands yeah. characters I have, I've like played a little bit of Borderlands 2 but I haven't got far enough in where I met these characters really I don't think there were any in the first Borderlands so this not is specifically for Borderlands 2 so Riven writes that they have two gay characters and one bi character Hammerlock and Tiny Tina both being gay and lesbian respectively and Moxie with three X's very extra (laughs) 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 had to get one pun in and Moxie being bi the Borderlands series has always been a favorite of mine from all the humorous throwaway lines from Claptrap and Tiny Tina uh, to the dark and twisted backstory behind Pandora and the Hunters it's a great series and I'm looking forward to playing Borderlands 3 and I think that as Borderlands 2 had these kinds of characters uh, surely Borderlands 3 would have as many if not more Mm -hmm. So thank you all to everyone who wrote in. It was great to read all these different submissions for, and to see all these different games. Because, I mean, like, like Wandersong, Borderlands, we learned some new things. We did learn some new things. And actually, in the article, uh, at the very end, I think uh, that Sam Greer article we've been referencing throughout this episode, uh, she mentions a game called Butterfly Song, which is apparently a more recent indie. It's like at the very bottom that features a host of uh, queer female characters who are... Butterfly Soup! Sorry, Butterfly Soup, not Butterfly Song. Uh, butterfly Soup that features a host of queer and lesbian characters who all you know gather around their love of baseball i think which terrible choice of sport <laughs> i would have picked anything else but whatever i guess it's uh to each their probably own not even sports yeah probably yeah we're, not we're even not sports, sports. come on <laughs> but the point is is that um we really kind of wanted to do this episode in the first place uh for a lot of different reasons but one of them being that the more we talk about queer representation in games the more we are Showing our support and our need to see more of this in the future because you know it's all good and well to make these games but if people don't show their support for them and say yes I love that I really want more of that support not just in how you interact on social media but in your dollars people spend that money on life is strange go out and buy these games that have these fantastic representations of non-heteronormative characters any type of queer characterization that is showing the developer directly direct action through your money through your purchasing power that you want more of that in future games because it really goes back to what uh, sushi tanuki said in in their tweet to us the more representation and the more that that queer characters are out there for people to play games not only you know adults but also kids you can find the person who you know you can find just like what uh, sushi tanuki said about having finding more people like yourself, which again can help people feel more at ease of, in everything Absolutely. and more comfortable in their own skin and people to look up to and things to aspire to after. And so that's why we really wanted to come at this, to have this topic and to talk about this because a pride month, it was a great time to talk about the, to talk about We've this. never done one before. We haven't done it before, which is really probably a topic that we should have and could have approached a long time ago, we probably but we frankly, we didn't think about it. Yeah. So our apologies. And this is our attempt to make up for lost time because we enjoy playing with these characters. We enjoy hearing their stories and we can't imagine what it's like for the, for, you know, for queer people to, have this representation and to see this representation yeah, exactly. what that means to them and i think that even if you're so playing we want to see more of it we do want to see more of it and i think that even if you're playing a game that for example features a non-binary character and you are not non-binary you're binary 
I suppose. Yeah. I don't know what the reverse <laughs> of that is. Uh, even if that doesn't resonate with who you are, you can still get value out of playing through that story and playing as that character. Because even if you have a character or a relationship that doesn't resonate with who you are in real life, playing through that in the fictional world can open up your mind to new ways of seeing things. And there's never not going to be value in that. You are always going to get some sort of value add from attempting to see the world in a different light. Mm -hmm. And so even if you're not a gay character, you can still play through Dragon Age Inquisition and Romance Dorian and still get a lot out of it. He's the ideal Hazubondo. That's great. He's great. I, I, I honestly want to go back to Dragon Age Inquisition now. Just a romance story. Yeah. God, he's so hot. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Perfectly styled hair, perfectly styled mustache, just, and a great outfit to boot. And a great outfit to boot. God, he's he's the total package. Mm. He's the total package. The total package. <laughs> Stop creeping on him. <laughs> but Even though I was just creeping on him. <laughs> I, I feel like it was equal. A little bit more so Whatever. Anyways. <laughs> Well, everyone, we, we hope you've enjoyed this discussion. And, and we would love to hear more from you. we would love to hear more. Yes, definitely. So reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us an email at teamchatpodcast.gmail.com. Comment below the video and audio. Again, we just love to hear from you all. But before we end this episode, we do have to do our soundtrack spotlight. But since we've talked about this game a lot this episode, we're going to feature a song from Dragon Age Inquisition. It's a cool song. Val Royale. Which, if our. Val Royale. I think I it's Royale. Royale. It's been a while since I played it's the game again. It's a very Frenchy spelling. But it's a very fancy. High class city, very ritzy and all this, and so it has music to match. I and think so, I hear a harpsichord in the mm-hmm, background. Yes, yeah, yeah, some nice stringed instruments. <laughs> and so, but it's uh, composed by Trevor Morse. So be listening to that after this close of the episode, which is pretty much now. Until next time, everybody. I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Adios. We'll see you next time for another brand new episode on a great gaming topic. Next week here at Team Chat Podcast. Listen to our soundtrack spotlight. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>